0: Optimal health is not just the absence of disease, it's the presence of thriving. And we were meant to thrive. Human beings were meant to thrive, sleep deep, have the waking energy of 10 men, have a strong, healthy response to exercise, a powerful libido, have clean, clear waking energy, have strong cognitive function. And most of us have accepted such an erosion of our baseline sense of normalcy that normal is so far below where we really should exist. That when I bring people back to normal, they think they feel amazing. And I just remind them that they just feel normal. This is for the others
1: out there the other ambitious people who want to play at a higher level in their life. It's time to get curious and get real. Join me, and together, let's find the others. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Find the Others podcast. I am your host, Joshua Church. Grateful to have you with us. New episodes are dropping every Wednesday and Sunday, so be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you can get the notification when a new episode comes out. And give me a follow on Instagram at Joshua Dean Church to catch different clips and highlights that I post. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, you find something that might be valuable, please be sure to share it with a friend who also might be into it so that together we can continue to grow our tribe of others. Today, I'm excited to bring you a conversation I had with Gary Brecka. Gary is co-founder and the chief human biologist for 10x Health, where he partnered with Grant Cardone to change the way we think about health. Gary has over 20 years of experience in biohacking and functional medicine, His passion lies in customizing peak performance protocols for individuals to achieve optimal health. He's an expert on serum blood and genetic biomarkers. He also sits on the board of the NFL Alumni Association as their health services director and is known commonly as the celebrity biohacker. We had a great conversation talking about what optimal health should feel like truly, how our bodies are wired for comfort, and how we can use tangible tools like breathwork, visualization, and cold immersion to reach optimal health. Give Gary a follow on IG at Gary Brecca. He's a great account to follow. And if you like this podcast, be sure to check out some of my other episodes. And lastly, you can visit www.edgetheorylabs.com to check out the portable cold tub that my cousin and I built that we reference in this episode. And you can use the coupon Find Your Edge for $100 off plus free shipping. All those links are in the show notes as well. Without further ado, please welcome a fun combo, an energizing combo with Gary Brecca. We got Gary Brecka in the house. Gary. Yes. Thank you so much for being here. Ready to fire it up. I love it. Truly, thank you. I know you've come off, uh, come off a flight, 10 cities in 10 days, is yeah, it? 10
0: cities. This makes 10 cities in
1: 10 wow, days Wow, amazing. And your level of presence and energy is over the top in the best way possible. And uh, I'm excited to peel, peel back the layers behind that a little bit yeah. more and figure out why and how that's possible. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, amazing. So uh, one of the things that we were just talking about before as we were sitting out here on the, the edge of the edge tub was um, you, you said something around aging that really, it just literally sent a shiver through my body. Can you share what you said?
0: Well, I say a lot of things about aging, but one of the phrases that I coined is that aging is the aggressive pursuit of comfort. You know, we, we tell grandma, don't go outside, it's too cold. Um, you know, don't go outside, it's too hot just lay down, just relax, just rest. Um, You know, we eat at the first pang of hunger. Mm -hmm. Like the instant we have a marginal pang of hunger, we're reaching to the cabinet for a cracker. And what this is doing is it's just collapsing all of the defense mechanisms in the body. You know, stress is actually very good for Mm -hmm. human beings. We've adapted this philosophy that stress is bad for us. Stress is bad for us because we spend most of our time avoiding it. So when it comes, it's very devastating. Mm. But if we actually embrace stress, you know, I was saying earlier, if if you don't load a bone, it will not strengthen. If you don't tear a muscle, it won't grow. If you don't challenge the immune system, it weakens, right? So most people spend the majority of our life avoiding stress, right? And so when marginal stress comes, psychological stress or emotional stress, it's very taxing to them. Because they haven't built a body that's resilient to it. There's a reason why there's a preseason for every professional mm-hmm. sport right because they need to start stressing their bodies before game day right We can do this every day. I mean that's that's why I'm such a big fan of the you know the oxygen tub and and you know what you guys are doing with your technology and, and breath work because these are ways to stress the body mm-hmm. in the morning so that it adapts. Right? Amazing. Just yeah. like a muscle or a bone or an immune system. It feels like
1: as humanity, we were once adapted to that stress and mm-hmm. then we've kind of gotten softer, softer. Can you talk a little bit about how that's happened or why that's
0: happened? Yeah, no question. I mean, you think about what we used to have to do just to get food, mm-hmm. right? We didn't wake up in the morning and there was a refrigerator and a cabinet full of crackers, right? We grabbed a bow and arrow or an, an axe um, or a rifle in the, you know, in the later stages, but eventually mm-hmm. we, we had to get up and we had to be active for food, you'll notice that you're actually, your, your sensory acuity is the most elevated when you are the most hungry. Mm. You're actually more clean, more clear, more focused, more cognizant. Your timing is better. Your hand-eye coordination is better. Sharper um, Visual acuity yeah. is sharper when you're hungry, because your body is going to hunt for food. I mean, I mean, now we hunt for food on Uber Eats, right? so, you know, <laughs> yeah. and it comes right to our door. Right, we don't yeah. even go, we don't even take the elevator down to the lobby and get. We don't have to interact with any human. They can yeah. just drop the, <laughs> the yeah. food we don't off. Even have to find a monkey trying to avoid <laughs> us in a tree. We just hit the you know the Uber app button, and so we used to have adaptive stresses. Right, if I wanted to eat, mm. I had to go out and hunt. Right, I had to stress my body, and then I would be rewarded by by eating, and that's why eating has such a positive physiologic response and has such a dopamine response, right? Because we want that pleasure response that we get from eating. Now, unfortunately, um, chemical manufacturers and and modern pharma have actually caught on to that. Mm. And so we make sweets and things that are very, very, very attractive to the dopamine response because we can get people addicted to sugars, like we're addicted to our Mm -hmm. phones, like we're addicted to nicotine. And so I'm a big believer in positive stress on the body, you know, creates all kinds of physiologic benefits. For sure. And it sounds like fasting has been a big tool for you. Fasting is a huge tool for me. So, you know, we're laughing about me being in 10 cities in 10 days, but I started in the British Virgin Islands, went to New York, went from New York to DC, DC to New Jersey. Then I went New Jersey to Vegas, Vegas to LA, back to Vegas, and then down here to Miami. And there was a time when that would have absolutely just decimated me. Right. But now that I understand how to put my physiology on my side, Mm. right, I look at food as a resource. Is it going to feed me or is it going to steal from me? Like I know that white flour, white rice, white bread, white pasta, white potatoes, I know those are thieves. I know that sugary items are thieves. So I don't really pay much attention to them. And I use fasting as a tool to manage my energy, Right, I mean the amount of blood in our body is fixed, so it cannot be in your brain and in your gut at the same time. Mm. So you you have to decide where you want it to be, right? So if you want healthy cognitive function, or you want to be sharp for a meeting, or a podcast, or to get worked on on the plane, if you eat, then you're going to give the energy to that meal, and you're going to take it from Mm. your brain, which is the valuable resource you're trying to preserve. Now I still eat; I eat a lot, but my rule is that I fast almost always on planes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll I'll take. See my bag of uh, almonds over there. Mm-hmm. I'll take mixed nuts and or almonds on a plane, but I hydrate and fast on on flights. I don't eat airport food. And I use breath work and and cold water therapy mm. to to really help me, you know, push through those those hard travel times.
1: Absolutely. And I love what you said there of taking control of your physiology. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's something that that's a big perspective shift for a lot of people of like, wait a second, I can take control. I'm in, I'm in control of my physiology and I can build a relationship with my body and my mind in that way where I don't have to be a slave
0: to these things. No, you're in control of your choices. Most, mm-hmm. most people are not in control of their choices. So they get up in the morning, they think they've got to eat breakfast. So we wake up, we get coffee and then we eat. We don't eat because we're hungry or because we need to eat. We eat because it's a routine. It's just what we do. Yeah. Um, so if you have an early flight, let's say, and if you're like me, if you go to bed late and you have an early flight the next day, you really don't sleep well because you're worried about missing the flight. <laughs> um, that is a perfect time for you to fast until you get to your destination. Because if you go, if you arrive to an airport after two, three, four hours of sleep, right, and you're about to board a commercial flight and you stuff yourself full, especially of the whites like folic acid and, and, you know, Danishes or breads and, and, and those sorts of things. Now, all that precious little energy that you have is all going Mm -hmm. to the gut because oxygen is the main resource used for digestion. It's also the main resource for energy. I mean, everything that a human being perceives about energy is nothing more than oxygen in their blood. Mm. If you told me, Gary, I had a lot of energy today. Physiologically, what you're saying is I had a lot of oxygen in my blood today. Mm, Is that because of the ATP production or? Because oxygen equals energy, right? So oxygen equals energy at the ATP level too. We Mm -hmm. were just talking about this. I mean, human beings are actually not powered by carbohydrates and and lipids and and proteins and amino acids and vitamins and nutrients and minerals. We're powered by a single resource called ATP, right? So 10% of our body weight are little tiny organelles called mitochondria. We have about 110 trillion of them in the human body. And the mitochondria creates this energy source. Well, mitochondria has a voracious appetite for oxygen. It also has a voracious appetite for water. In fact, an average human manufactures 100 gallons of intracellular water every day. Mm. And when I say that, people go, how is that possible? Mm. How, how am I making 100 gallons of right. water? I only drink a half a gallon of water. Huh. Your body makes water the same way they make it in space. You take two hydrogens, one oxygen, you put those gases together, and you create a water molecule. If you actually understand how the mitochondria works, it has such a voracious appetite for water that you are not capable of drinking enough water in 30 days to power your body for 10 minutes, Mm. to power your mitochondria for 10 minutes. This is why breathing is so important. Because the more oxygen we have, the more water the mitochondria can create. The more water it can create, the more power that it has, Mm. the more power that it has, the healthier our cells are. Waste elimination, repair, detoxification, regeneration. All of these things happen in the presence of oxygen, Mm. right? So that's why it's such an important resource for
1: us. Yeah. And when it comes to taking control of your physiology, like I love that by the way, oxygen equals energy. That's great. That's a a really bite-sized- Easy way to understand oh, oxygen
0: it. equals energy. Yeah, amazing. No question.
1: So when it comes to taking control of your physiology, you've worked with a lot of people, all different kinds of people. What is the first step that you instruct someone or you advise someone to help take control of their physiology? What's that first step?
0: Make a choice over what's more important to you. Is your energy your priority or is the satisfaction of taste your priority? Mm. Right? I mean, for me, they're not even in the same yeah. ballpark, right? I mean, for that 30 seconds that I'm going to enjoy a sweet... Or a bite of that bagel? Am I willing to pay the Mm. price for the deficit in energy? So I guard my energy. Energy to me has a very high priority in my life because the more energy I have, the more people I can touch, the more I can get my message out, the more I can do things like this, be on a podcast with you after, you know, taking a five-hour flight from Las Vegas in my tenth city. Um, So energy to me has a very high priority. So I look at food as what it can do for me. That doesn't mean that I just eat bland nonsense. I really enjoy food. But I look at food as whether or not it's going to serve me or whether it's going to steal from me. Right. And there are a lot of thieves out there. When you walk through the airport, it's just lined with thieves, just, you know, cases and cases and cases of all kinds of food that's just waiting to steal from you. Yes. Right. So it's very easy for me to turn those things Mm. down.
1: And just that perspective shift there, like I'm internalizing that big time of there's only a fixed amount of blood in our body and so when we're eating it's going to our gut to digest and you feel that but it becomes uh, it becomes a lot easier to make that decision of am i going to eat this food am i not when you're when you're understanding it's like what what am i going to sacrifice for this yeah
0: becomes what's my priority when i go on this flight it's four hours long what do i want to do do i want to sleep um which is fine or do i want to get four hours of work done uninterrupted because my phone's not ringing and i'm not on instagram and nobody's hammering away at me you know i i choose to get four hours of really good focused work done and make it productive so now in order to serve that purpose i'm actually going to fast because that's going to give me the energy and the focus that i need Mm -hmm. to get that task done yeah and then when the task is done then i'll eat yeah you know we're just we're so used you know we've collapsed all of our defense mechanisms because we become weak in controlling our choices Mm. right we because we think we want to eat and the truth is that you know, we, we really are the most focused when we're marginally hungry. I've actually learned to embrace. I love it.
1: Yeah. It's changing your relationship with hunger and with not just something to satisfy, but how can I work with this? What's right. actually going
0: on? How can I work with this? Mm-hmm. And am I actually getting what I want? Cause when mm-hmm. I feel that little bit of hunger, I'm actually sharp focused right. and I'm, I'm really working.
1: And, and when, when you fast somewhat regularly, you know, that it's the hunger passes pretty quickly once you sit with it or when you bring your awareness to it and you right. can even ask yourself like, do I really need nourishment right now, fuel right now, or am right. I just am I is it on cue for my schedule? Yeah.
0: Most most people can go quite a while without eating; they right. just don't know it.
1: However, we can't go a long time without breathing. That's no. why I love the breath because we focus a lot on diet, we focus a lot on exercise. We can go a long time without eating or drinking water, even relative to what we can go without.
0: Breathing. Very true.
1: So so tell me the how did you get into breath work first of all?
0: Well, Let's- I got into breath work because. You know, I've been a scientist right. since uh, you know, – I'm a human biologist. My, mm-hmm. my undergraduate degrees are in biology. My postgraduate degrees are in human biology. And for the better part of my adult career, I was a mortality expert for the insurance industry. And we could take five years of medical records on you and five years of demographic data, and we could actually tell the insurance company how many more months you had left Jeez. on earth. And so looking at voluminous amounts of medical records and voluminous amounts of cases, we realize that the presence of oxygen is the absence of disease. Mm. There is not a disease etiological pathway known to mankind that does not have its roots in hypoxia, a lack of blood oxygen. All cancer begins in a hypoxic environment, right? Even our emotional state, like when you say, what is a mood? What is an emotional state? right? A mood or an emotional state is nothing more than a collection of neurotransmitters and the presence of oxygen. The difference between the emotion of anger and the emotion of passion is one neurotransmitter and the presence of oxygen. Mm. All elevated emotional states require oxygen as a part of their structure. It's a part of the molecule of that emotion. So passion, elation, joy, arousal, libido, like, all the hell yeah, I won the lottery emotions all require oxygen. Mm. The reason why no human being has ever woken up laughing and no human being will ever wake up laughing is because you don't have the oxidative state to experience laughter from sleep. Now, can you wake up angry? You certainly can because Mm. anger does not require oxygen. If you actually look at the molecular structure of the emotion of anger, which is catecholamines, um, norepinephrine, epinephrine, small amount of –
1: How is that measured, by the way? Is that measured
0: by just taking someone in those states? Yeah, you can take them in those states. You can measure the frequency leaving their body, but you can also look at the neurotransmitter cascade. Right. Right? Okay. Um, So if you – and if you think about neurotransmitters, as you deplete serotonin, um, that's the main driver of mood right? So Mm -hmm. low serotonin is depression. If you deplete dopamine, you drive behavior. The absence of dopamine is the presence of addiction, right? So low dopamine drives behavior. This is why addicts have a tendency to shift their addiction and not really cure their addiction, right? Addiction has a tendency to shift because there's a deficit of dopamine. And if we don't address the deficit of dopamine, then that addiction will move from drugs to Mm -hmm. alcohol, to sex, to gambling, to um, it may move to what we consider to be healthy addictions, like overexercising or, you know, psychocompetitiveness in sports. Um, but the majority of the time, it it will just mm-hmm. shift. And so, when we understand that oxygen is the main driver of mood, it's the main driver of emotional state. So when I wake up in the morning, I just think about, well, what mood do I want to be in today? I'd really love to be passionate, elated, and joyful, and aroused. Um, so I'm going to breathe so I can give my brain the oxidative state to experience those emotions, right? And you'll notice that you have an emotional mood shift after breath work, right? You you can easily access those emotional states. Whereas when you're tired and you haven't moved and you're depressed, this is because the oxidative state in your blood has dropped. So now you no longer have access to those emotions. Yeah,
1: wow. What a practice also just to wake up and ask yourself, how do I wanna to feel today? Yeah. <laughs> Joyful, elated, passionate, excited, happy, right? Yeah, think and- about
0: where your thoughts go if you don't have oxygen. Your thoughts mm-hmm. are gonna go to fearful, negative yeah.
1: um, thoughts. So as a, as a human biologist, right, did you, you know, you understood this from a scientific level? And is that what got you into it from an experiential level? Or was there an event in your life that happened? How did you like really embrace this? Because one thing to logically understand, it, it's another thing to embody it the way that you are.
0: Well, I started to. You know, I wasn't uh, a big believer really in breathwork or, you know, the universal law of attraction. You know, I really kind of thought these things were spiritual mumbo jumbo. Mm -hmm. Until one day I found, I was reading a research article and I stumbled upon a law in physics. It's called constructive interference, Mm -hmm. right? It's a law. And so it's as valid as the law of gravity. You don't have to believe in gravity, Mm -hmm. but if you step off a balcony, you'll find out real quick that it's valid. So, Um, constructive interference says that two frequencies of equal wavelength meet the size of the frequency doubles. And I knew then it started to make sense that, well, now you can get energy from other human beings, Mm. right? I mean, your frequency can elevate me or your frequency destructive interference can reduce my emotional state. It can have an opposite effect. And so then I was like, well, if frequency is a law in physics and my emotional state can affect somebody else's emotional state and theirs can affect mine. Well, how do I get into a higher emotional state? And so I actually started studying the chemical physiology of emotion. And if you look at the chemical physiology of emotion, you'll find that elevated emotions require oxygen. So then I was like, well, maybe there really is something to this breath work. And this kooky guy from the mountains, you know, with mm-hmm. the beard is swimming in the Arctic. And I watched the Iceman about Wim Hof running a marathon in the Arctic Circle and another one in the desert and packing himself in ice for two hours and swimming other the Arctic Circle. And I said, this guy is doing superhuman things and he doesn't even look like a superhuman. Right. And he's using it by regulating his physiology through breathwork. And it started to make a real scientific connection to me mm. that regular the oxygen, changing the oxygen tension in your tissues has a very real measurable, scientifically valid physiologic effect. So I started going deep down the rabbit hole of breath work Mm -hmm. and I benefited so much from it. You know, even on long flights, I'll go in the, I'll go in the bathroom and I'll do breath work. Yeah. Don't only knows what they think I'm doing in there. (laughs) (laughs) Because every, every like hour I'm in in the bathroom hyperventilating. (laughs) It's either
1: that or in your seat
0: and then you're really going to cause an issue. Quite the libido on that guy. He's going into the bathroom every 10 minutes. But, uh, but, you know, it's because it, it helps, you know, make that flight easier but it also it puts me in a better mood yeah. you get back to your seat you're focused so i started from a scientific standpoint and then sort of led myself right. down the road of practicing breath work
1: and once you feel it and you feel the differences it can make in your life as, as i felt it for mine too it's just like you can't ignore it anymore
0: <laughs> yeah. and, and you know interestingly i've i you know, now I started really looking into the neurochemistry and neurophysiology of emotion and mood and and frequency, because human beings are just a giant ball of frequency. And I use breath work and intention setting as a weapon, truthfully, in, in business. Um, it, before I take the stage at a big event, before I have a big meeting, before I have a conversation with my children, that's going to be a meaningful conversation because. If I do a few rounds of breath work and then I take just 30 seconds to set my intention, meaning what is my, what is the intention? What do I intend to get out of this meeting? Right? What do I intend to get out of this Mm -hmm. interaction? Um, Like I actually did it before we got here. I did a few rounds of breath work when I got out of the cab and I set the intention for this meeting. I said, you know, my intention is going to be, I'm going to go up there. I'm going to serve you. I really want to provide value. I was thinking about the podcast. And then I will always visualize the outcome. Mm. I never visualize a meeting. I visualize the outcome of a of a meeting so that by the time I get into a situation, my brain believes I've already been there. Right. So it it creates a sense of calm mm. and confidence in a meeting or social situation. You'll find that if you use breath work to change your state and then take 30 seconds to set your intention, and then another 10 seconds to visualize the outcome of the encounter that you're about to have, you will see the encounters that you have, especially in the business world, go straight parabolic. Mm. Like before I walked into my very first meeting with Grant Cardone, I did three rounds of breath work, set the intention for the meeting, and I visualized Grant Cardone asking me to join his team. I visualized the outcome of that meeting, him thanking me and shaking my hand. And it's incredible how that situation unfolded mm. exactly like that.
1: And and just to paint the picture here, after maybe ninety seconds after you were out there setting the intention, you know, doing your breath work, clearing yourself, setting the intention, visualizing that to be of service, we walked in the lobby, and what
0: happened? Oh, <laughs> man, that was crazy! I mean, instant. Yeah, someone just ran up to me and was like, "Oh my God, Gary brecko what I, are you doing here? I, I just ordered your gene test, and I just." But you know, I want to pay for your private consult and i follow you on Instagram and all this stuff. I can't believe you're right here. Uh so that's that shows you the right. power of of the universe. Right. Right. And so, you know, a lot of people say, Gary, you have a lot of energy, and 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 I do, but um <laughs> you got a lot of oxygen. But yeah, I have a lot of <laughs> oxygen. I mean, and that's exactly it. And so many of us don't we don't use these tools to our advantage. I mean, if you're a real estate agent you're about to walk into a meeting with a client, you're going to ask them for a listing right on their $3 million home. This is the biggest asset that they have. What you need is you need that person to have a high level of trust and confidence in Mm -hmm. you. And trust and confidence is going to come from the frequency that you emanate. It's going to come from the emotional state that you have when you enter that meeting. Because, If you're not in the right emotional state, if you're not emanating the right frequency, one spouse or the other is going to say there's something wrong with that Mm. person. I can't put a finger on it, but I'm not listing my We know. You can't fake that. (laughs) Yeah. But if you you take just a few minutes to do a few short rounds of breath work, then set your intention, then visualize the outcome with that client, you'd be shocked the level of trust and confidence that comes from that. Visualize them giving you that that listing or, or, you know, visualize the outcome of that meeting. Breathwork is a huge part of that right? We can really use it to our advantage. Yeah. That
1: combination of shifting your state, taking control of your physiology, and then intention setting, or um, uh, one of my teachers used to call it uh, segment intending. Abraham Hicks referred to it as segment intending of Mm -hmm. before going into new segments, set a quick intention. What is the outcome of that? And what's the feeling that you want from this? Right. What's the feeling you want to provide? What's the feeling you want to feel after?
0: Yeah. And you know, interesting, you know why it works so well is because the brain, while we'd like to think that it's very sophisticated. It's actually not. It's very primal. Right? In fact, the brain doesn't even know the difference between perception and reality. Right? Right. If you, if you drove home tonight and pulled in your driveway and got out of your car and somebody was standing in front of you with a knife, a very real present danger, you would have the same flight or flight response as what, what floor are we on here? Like this? Six, uh, 21st. Okay. So we're on the 21st floor. I could lay in this bed and, and worry about getting eaten by a shark mm-hmm. and have the exact same response the chances of a shark getting out of that bay and taking the elevator up 29 floors and <laughs> jimming my door open and coming in and nibbling on me are zero, but my, my brain will have the same response. So if you want to be comfortable in a, in a challenging setting and setting the intention and visualizing the outcome, will tell your brain you've already been there. So your brain does not know that you haven't been there because you've told it you've already been there. And so now imagine the amount of pressure and air that comes out of a balloon. Like the first, when I walk on a, to a big stage and I speak a lot, but I still get nervous. You know, I, I spoke at GrowthCon a few weeks from now. I have 33,000 people in a football stadium. Before I take that stage, I don't want the first moment that I see myself on that stage to actually be on the stage in the presence right, of that audience. Right. Because the adrenaline and the fear and the emotion can kick in and you can just lock up right? But if I visualize myself on that stage, I visualize the message I want to get, I visualize the audience receiving it and getting great value from what I'm saying, then when I walk on that stage, my brain is calm. My brain is calm. Yeah, you've been there. Um, I just got back from the UFC headquarters in, in, um, in Las Vegas. That's actually where I just came from. And you, know, you think about UFC fighters at that level. When, when you see a lot of these post-fight interviews and you see a lot of their training camps, they actually talk about visualizing this combat before it happens. Because imagine walking into the octagon, two human beings trying to hurt each other. And this is the first time that you're seeing that person on the other side of the ring who's not there to be your friend, right? And your level of trust and confidence in yourself, because you haven't been in that situation before, but had you visualized that situation and the outcome, you'd be a lot more calm. Yeah, absolutely. So I
1: want to hear, tell me about 10x health.
0: Yes, 10x health is amazing. You know, um seven years ago when my fiance Sage workinger and I started our wellness franchise called Streamline Medical Group, we were really blessed um, midway through our our third year in business, which is about four years ago now, to treat a well-known billionaire named Grant Cardone. Mm-hmm. We got him as a patient, mm-hmm. and he got his bl- blood work done and got a genetic test done as a favor to a friend and you know, very interestingly, when I first had a conversation with him, he, he was very standoffish. You know, he called me, he said, listen, man, I just got this test done as a favor to a friend. I don't even really know what you do. I don't know who you are. But before you start, I should just tell you, I've got doctors hanging on trees and I got personal trainers coming out of my ass. Those, those are his exact words. Yeah. We can edit that out of the podcast <laughs> yeah, if you need good. to. Those are <laughs> his exact words. And, uh, and he said, look, man, I got 10 minutes. Why don't you give me your spiel?" And I go, well, that was rude, but... Okay. Um, and I said, look, Mr. Cardo, why, why don't we start by you telling me how you feel? And he said, man, I feel great. I'm running around the world. I'm building my empire. I feel great. I said, well, you do mind if I tell you what I see in your labs? And he said, no, go ahead. So I said, well, I see a man that, that goes to bed exhausted, hmm. but his mind keeps him up until the wee hours of the morning so that by the time you wake up in the morning, you're more exhausted than when you went to bed. Mm-hmm. And I can tell that you wake up sore and achy in the mornings, like you had a hard workout the night before when you have it. And I bet it really bothers you that the soles of your feet and your ankles hurt when you get out of bed in the morning to walk to the bathroom for the first time. And I said, look, I know nothing about your love life, but libido left the building about nine months ago. And if I was to guess, uh, the thing that bothers you most is brain fog. And he goes, what the heck do you mean, dementia? I said, no, not dementia, brain fog. You get a great idea in the bedroom. By the time you walk to the kitchen, you wonder what the heck you're doing in the kitchen. And then he was silent. Mm. He couldn't believe that I knew that much information from a simple blood and genetic test. And um, he said, you can really tell all that from that test? I said, yeah, I can. He said, how long will it take to fix it? I'll do whatever you say. And um, so I put him on a protocol. About three and a half weeks later, he called the office again. He said, Gary, I, I don't even know what to tell you. The brain fog is gone. I've got the energy of 10 men. I haven't slept in 10 years. I'm sleeping seven hours a night now. The aches and pains are gone. I feel like I'm chasing you know, my wife around like a high schooler. (laughs) Um, and you know, this really works. It's really this, what you do with physiology really works. And so that led to a four year relationship with Grant Cardone in September of last year, he acquired our company and was overtly generous in that acquisition. And we became 10X health. Gotcha. And now the 10X health system our vision is to put 1,000 of these locations across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, we've taken 390 franchise applications so far, and we intend to have 20 in every state in America. Wow. And so, you know, I always wanted to touch the face of humanity because I spent so many years in the mortality space predicting when people were going to die. And I couldn't have any contact with those patients. I couldn't have any contact with the treating physician. So even if I saw life-threatening drug interactions or things that I could do to help someone that had been misdiagnosed or to supplement them for deficiencies like anemia and D3 and vitamin B12, I couldn't do anything. And it started to wear on me because I realized that there were human beings on the other side of these spreadsheets that I was using to calculate when people were going to die. And I made a conscious decision to leave and really change the face of humanity by teaching people about Mm -hmm. optimal health, right? Optimal health is not just the absence of disease, it's the presence of thriving, you know? And we were meant to thrive. Human beings were meant to thrive, sleep deep, have the waking energy of 10 men, have a strong, healthy response to exercise, a powerful libido, have clean, clear waking energy, have strong cognitive function. And most of us have accepted such an erosion of our baseline sense of normalcy that normal is f- so far below where we really should exist mm-hmm. that when i bring people back to normal they think they feel amazing and i just remind them that they just feel normal and so a real blessing was grant cardone coming into our life and having the vision to say i'm going to help take this to the next level and his organization brandon dawson who's just an absolute business scaling genius. Hmm. I and mean, his wife and Lena and Grant and my fiance Sage and I, we have just felt like we've been strapped to a rocket ship. And the message is being so well-received and we've helped tens of thousands of people and we want to help millions more reach a state of optimal health that most people Forgot. So
1: good, so good. And that return to baseline, like you said, that well-being is something that's imminent,
0: right? Yeah, that it's, That's our natural state. It is our natural state, right? I mean, and we've just gotten so far away from the yeah. basics. I mean, just think about the last time you had bare feet touching the earth. Right right? Earthing, grounding, right? Human beings build up a charge. We discharge into the earth. I mean, the last time most of us walked on the ground, this is why I use a PEMF mat. I have one in my bed because I like to ground myself every morning and I, and I like to blow all those dirty frequencies out of the body and alkalize myself every day. Mm-hmm. So I use that PEMF mat to run low Gauss current through my body. But you can also just walk on the surface of the earth with bare feet. I mean, think about the last time I had You know, bare feet touching grass or dirt or soil or sand. For most people, it's been a while, right? We don't get a lot of sun. I mean, 85% of the population is clinically deficient in vitamin D3. We don't breathe, right? Like I said, the presence of oxygen is the absence of disease. Mm. As we get older, our respiratory system just begins to collapse and we slowly become more and more and more oxygen deprived, more hypoxic. And that is fertile ground for disease, you know?
1: So good. So inspiring. So inspiring. (laughs) I just, honestly, I just want to thank you for for the work that you're doing. And I know the whole team that's involved in this because, you know, blazing the path and helping us return to that. And that's what I really believe it is. It's returning to that core state of being that we all have the potential of feeling. And it starts with the simple stuff, breathing, sleeping, moving, (laughs) putting your feet on the ground, drinking the right water, hydrating, eating.
0: I mean, we have a $130,000 set of equipment that called superhuman protocol, but you don't need $130,000 worth of equipment, right? you need magnetism oxygen and light you need the earth you need the air you need the sun you need to breathe i mean most of us can go outside and deal with the cold for a few minutes every morning with our shirt off get a little bit of sunlight do a few rounds of of breath work expose ourselves Mm -hmm. to cold or to hot thermal stressing the body is so good for you um i know we're gonna hopefully we're gonna talk about your edge theory labs cold plunge out there because that thing looks amazing heck yeah um And access those cold shock proteins and access those sirtuins and the defense mechanisms that are so innate in our body that have become a part of our ancestry, but not a part of our presence, right? Mm. I mean, if you want to be a warrior, wake up like a warrior and stress your body. Nobody wants to get, I don't want to get in that cold water. Mm. The first 40 seconds sucks, right? It really does. Don't, no one ever gets used to that, right? It every time you get in there, your body says, get me out of here. But when you blast through that and you do that in the morning and now it's behind you, you reap those benefits Mm -hmm. all day. Mm -hmm. Is that your favorite part about the cold? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, I think it's a metaphor for life, right? Because you get in there, you want to get out, your body panics, your liver panics, your brain panics, peripheral vascular system panics, but understanding that you're going to be okay and that your body can adapt to this. And then starting to feel the pain give way to actually a sensation of calm and of zen and even a sensation of joy. And then you get out of there and you're like, wow, man, I just got in 40 degree water. The next nasty little message that comes in on Instagram is gonna roll right off yeah. your back. That that's nothing compared you to set what You set the bar high, like physiologically, nothing's yeah. gonna challenge you as much as that. Yeah. So every morning you yeah. you you get to do mm-hmm. that. Um and it's not expensive. Yeah. It's it's amazing. So good.
1: Man, this has been such a great conversation, like truly a lot, a lot of amazing takeaways. And and again, thank you for for showing up the way that you do and, and blazing this, this path. Uh, my One of my last questions for you is what, what research are you most excited about that you're doing now or research that's coming out? What's the cutting edge right now that you're
0: just super stoked on? So there's two areas that I'm really, really, really excited about. Um, one is peptide research. <laughs> Because peptides are amino acid chains. They're chains of amino acids. But when you put these certain chains of amino acids into the body, you can have all kinds of positive physiologic effects. You can rewind the pituitary to a more youthful level of growth hormone secretion. You can increase the production of collagen, elastin, fibrin, and keratin in the skin to take on a more youthful appearance. Um, you can repair tissue that's been damaged at an accelerated rate. You can improve bowel function. You can improve cognitive function without poisons, without chemicals, without pharmaceuticals that have very negative mm. side effects. Now, I don't believe in side effects. I just believe in effects. <laughs> that's <laughs> a good one. Side effects is just <laughs> yeah. a nonsense term. And the idea that we're now getting back to where we can put raw materials into the human body that it's missing. And have these magnificent physiologic effects is very exciting to me. And I'm very excited and thrilled about the area of stem cell research. You know, we use stem cells in knee, hip, shoulder injuries, rotator cuffs, and repetitive use injuries, but now... You know, these beautiful vesicles are being used to regenerate organs and reverse aging and have all kinds of positive physiologic effects for humanity. Eventually, the price is going to come down on these types of treatments, and we're all going to have access to things like peptides and biologics because modern medicine is beginning to catch up very, very quickly to the fact that putting chemicals into the human body is not the roadmap to optimal mm-hmm. health. So I'm very excited about those two wonderful, fields. Wonderful.
1: And the last question that I like to ask to, to a lot of my my guests on the show is that if this microphone here could reach the the ear of every person on planet Earth, what would the message be to share with everyone?
0: The message would be this. The presence of disease and pathology in human population is not as prevalent as we think. What happens is we take raw materials out of the human body and it leads to pathology and disease. So if you do not have a roadmap for your own optimal health, meaning you don't know what's going on in your blood work and you don't know what's going on in your genes, then find out, hmm. right? Don't, don't study your business differently than you would study your body, right? We have a p and and an income statement and a balance sheet for our business, but we don't, we don't have one for our own yep. physiology. Most people don't know where their hormones are. They don't know what they're deficient in, if they're deficient in vitamin D3 or B12. Or DHEA, and we can test for that the same way that we would analyze a business. So, put yourself first. Find out what's going on in your physiology, and then supplement only for deficiency, not just for the sake of supplementing.
1: Boom, bam, boom! Awesome. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for being here, and uh, we'll we'll send you we'll send you home for a nice uh, night of rest and to get after it tomorrow. Awesome. Yeah. Appreciate you. Yeah, thank you, enjoy brother. Enjoyed it. Thank, yeah, you, brother. thank you,
0: man. Awesome.